Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Student Reviewed Studcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Student Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net for all things movies, games, television, pop culture, and more. Each Friday, I do a segment on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KISWFM, and uh, you can catch that on our website or go to kiswcom their app. Uh, Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L Central, keyword skewed, is a network of 12 newspapers in 20 markets, and we do game reviews for them. And of course, we have our skewed and reviewed magazine, which has put out the most recent issue, available at Barnes & Noble and other retailers. Now, um, wanted to give a shout out to Sci-Fi Radio, that has been uh, the latest company to carry our segments and you can hear them twice a day on Friday just go to scifi.radio and in addition to some fantastic music and science fiction themed radio segments you also get uh, all kinds of movie game and pop culture news a lot of good things so again we have the cast all over the place Joseph had several uh, appointments he had to run to today and he's worn down he's watching his kids and getting ready for Halloween Michael is off covering the latest Halloween film, and that leaves Justin and I to cover the topics this week, and uh, definitely going to be a busy week, because this time next week, I will be preparing for our long-delayed Disney cruise, so uh, we've got a lot of stuff to run into, and uh, we'll get the segment recorded next week for sure. But let's start off, Justin, with the big news of the week in gaming. Uh, that started small but really built, and that is Activision has announced that they have a new service coming called Ricochet that they say will be a an effective anti-cheat solution for Call of Duty, especially Call of Duty Warzone. So what do you make of this? Yeah, so uh, I'm actually just learning about this uh, very recently, so... Um you know, some of the information I might have is might be slightly inaccurate, but, uh, you know, basically, um, the big news about this, because obviously anti-cheat software has been around for a long time, uh, but then the biggest news about this is that it is a, a kernel-level driver, which also isn't new. Um, I've been reading a little bit about this. Uh, apparently, this kind of anti-cheat method has been employed by Riot Games, uh, for a similar anti-cheat called Vanguard um, that was quite controversial uh, without getting super, super technical and in the weeds. Uh, Kernel-level driver um, essentially has way, way more access to your computer um, than a, a standard anti-cheat. So a standard anti-cheat software will essentially just run when uh, or it will only have the, this the same access to your computer that like the game will um kernel level drivers have uh basically free reign over your your entire computer now activision would probably argue that uh they need this access in order to detect uh some of the more uh difficult to um to detect cheating software um or, or cheating methods um you know it's uh, so it's it's kind of that double-edged sword that they it's giving them more access to your computer um, that is is a little bit beyond standard but uh, they would argue that, that they need this in order to uh, to be effective um, the other thing with kernel level drivers is that they actually they do load with 
with your computer when it boots. So it's not it's it's basically always there. Um, now in, in Activision's uh, Q and A about about it, um, they they basically they claim that uh, while yes it does boot up with your computer and it's is sort of technically running, it doesn't actually uh, turn on unless the game is running. So. Um, so basically it's sort of just sort of in a dormant state unless the game is running, then it turns on and it basically has sort of free reign over, over, um, your computer and has basically direct access to your CPU and your memory. Um, now, uh, Vanguard, so the Riot Games version, uh, ran into some, uh, controversy because, um, it was actually detecting things erroneously uh and and flagging them as uh as cheating software like things uh, um the example was cpt cpu temperature monitors fairly common software that people use to just monitor how hot their cpu is running so um people ran into issues with it interfering with that and basically always being on uh, booting with their computers um and so there are some concerns that that's it's basically giving uh, this game more access to your computer than you know than what is uh, what is acceptable. Uh, the other concern too uh, I've been reading about a little bit is that um, it doesn't really address hardware level cheating. So there's some people that will use um, maybe like a uh, and you know, again, I, I might not be a super uh, an, an expert on this entirely, just because I'm not a cheater. I don't really uh, download cheats um, and know how they work. But from my understanding, there are uh, there are some hardware level um, cheating methods that do not uh, that that this kernel would not interact with at all, because it's obviously not at the software level. Uh, Activision said that there's they they are working on that and that there's a server side uh monitoring that can kind of detect variations that you know are indicative of a hardware level cheat um and that they're they're fairly confident that they can detect it um you know it, it kind of goes back it's a very interesting topic because it goes back and forth because the thing that was also mentioned is that you know while there are a lot of legitimate concerns about these new methods uh i guess cheating is rampant enough in the previous game that there are a lot of people that are essentially saying you know bring it on you know yeah a norm, a norm under normal circumstances i would probably be against this kind of intrusion but uh if it's going to actually curb rampant cheating um then there it seems like people are a lot more open to it and what's really funny is you have to remember that call of duty fans are an extremely um, difficult to please group uh, you know we heard it's the same thing every year it's the same thing every year so they go ahead and put one in the future and in space I don't like this I don't like this wall walking I don't like ray guns this is not a call of duty da, 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 da. so they went back to World War II and everything was fine and then we had you know the relaunch of um, modern warfare and you know we've had some success well, now they're going back to World War II. I don't like this. Why can't we get, you know, a more standard Call of Duty? Why did another... And, and they just, they're never happy. And, oh, it's another zombie mode. It's another recycled map. And, and 
yet they constantly sell through the roof so people are out there playing it and what I said when I first heard this is I've heard so many oh this is going to be an anti-cheat software this is going to get rid of the cheaters and they always find a way around it that is the number one thing no matter what you throw in there they are going to find a way around it the, you know how many of these things that we've seen come and go because people figure a way now will it help sure absolutely it does help because what it does do is it makes it so only the top level cheaters can't really get in there you know the the ideas the rank and file people who pull down a couple of edits and go from there uh will say you know what i'm not willing to take the extra steps that it's going to take to try to get around this now again as you pointed out if it starts getting detecting people who aren't doing anything wrong and causing fans that's a problem and one of the things that you had uh, talked about was the hardware level thing and somebody had written uh, on a thread that we had posted that there's a device called ChronoZen that allows you to quick scope, remove recoil, and many other functions on many games while using your controller or keyboard or mouse. It is impossible to detect since it acts as a macro for inputs rather than altering any of the internal files. He goes, this ricochet thing looks like it only affects software on PC rather than anything that uses hardware. Now, you, you had mentioned that. And I had said, you know, my big thing about it is we've heard for a few years that we're cracking down on cheaters, we're banning accounts. Well, guess what? It's still rampant. You know, people get their account banned, they find another way to get back online and they keep doing it. And my response is, I want to see something more than lip service. I mean, sure, you've got this program, but let's see you stick with it. Let's see it actually be adjusted that when the new game comes out and when the service goes online, when people start to find a way around it and start cheating, let's see you basically continue to address the problem and tweak the software rather than say, well, we've got this in place so people aren't cheating when we all know they will be cheating. In fact, I'm sure there's going to be some elite level people out there who are already getting ready to tout we beat the thing at launch. And so we'll see what happens. I mean, if it makes the, I, I know you'll never be able to eliminate all cheating, but I guess the mentality is if you can eliminate a big chunk of it, then you're on the way. And let's just hope it makes for a better experience because we've seen some things that are absolutely ridiculous in Call of Duty. I remember playing Blood Money with my son and I, I had a SUV, I came flying over a hill and there were three people standing there. And SUV came flying over the hill, landed right on top of all three of them, two of them dead instantly. One guy stood there, we threw a grenade at the SUV, blew it to pieces, he's standing there on fire, three of us dumped a full clip in him, each, point blank range, while he's on fire after him, he stood there, pulled out a pistol, one shot killed two members of the team, and then logged off. Now I looked at that and said, there's absolutely no way that was a legit gameplay. There's absolutely no way anybody, I don't care what your armor configuration is, I don't care what your skill configuration is, nobody can take that kind of damage and, stand, and keep standing in the game. And that just ruined the whole experience. And so, you know, what happened? I stopped playing that mode once that, you know, I, I don't go into Warzone, I stay with the traditional deathmatch, I stay with the zombie mode, I stay with the campaign and that's it. So, go figure. 
wanted to mention, speaking of zombie mode, just a quick aside, I am working on the review and we do have video up, but Back for Blood has launched, and if you are a fan of Left for Dead or co-op shooters, this is definitely one you were going to want to have a look at, because what I have played of it so far has been extremely enjoyable, and I've been very happy that I went from Far Cry 6 right into Back for Blood, and before that, Deathloop, so I've had three really good gaming experiences in a row, fingers crossed for uh, Call of Duty Vanguard in a few weeks, but um, yeah, a lot of good stuff. Now, Justin, let's switch gears and move over to the world of movies, and uh, Marvel, frequent Marvel leaker and current Spider-Man Tom Holland has been making some headlines because we're not that far from the release of the uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, and there has been some talk that uh, Holland and others are saying that they believe this is going to be the end of the current uh, Spider-Man film series, and he's saying that, you know, uh, a direct quote from Holland was, we were all treating No Way Home as the end of the franchise, let's say. I think if we're lucky enough to dive into these characters again, you'll be seeing a very different version. It would no longer be the Homecoming trilogy. We would give it some time and try to build something different and totally change the films. Whether that happens or not, I don't know, but we were definitely treating No Way Home like it was coming to an end, and it felt like it. What do you make of that? Well, a uh, couple things. So, I mean, I certainly think that there will probably be more movies with uh, Spider-Man, certainly, because, I mean, obviously, hugely popular character, um, makes a ton of money, um, so it, it's, it's definitely not over in that regard. But, um, you know, I actually sort of treat this as a good thing because I really am a strong believer that uh, stories really should have, like, a beginning, middle, and end. Um, and obviously I understand that uh, the MCU is kind of uh, is a living organism that, <laughs> that will uh, continue on um, as long as success allows it to. And, um, you know, and, and as long as they can continue to tell fresh stories. But, you know, eventually everything does come to an end and even within that there are little story arcs so obviously uh uh tony stark had his own story arc um he had a beginning you know becoming iron man and then he had his own trials and tribulations and he grew as a character and then he had an ending um and i i'm definitely okay with that um so looking at that as kind of like an example um i actually sort of applaud this like if they Obviously, there's a lot of stories they can tell, um, you know, within just the Spider-Man uh, mythos just on its own. There's a lot of uh, story arcs that are popular from the comics that haven't been explored in film. Um, they have a lot of characters that haven't really been represented. So there's a lot more they can do with it, for sure, and I think they probably will. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that it will probably give... Um, it it'll probably give this movie some credit if it uh, if if it's able to kind of like actually capstone a story and sort of end it uh, rather than sort of keep things uh, going because you know not every Marvel movie is exactly the same in quality some are better than others um, and I think the ones that are are definitely the weakest like think of Thor Dark World um, 
it uh, it just didn't really do anything definitive. It just sort of was another, and it's not not that it was a bad movie. It was a, it was definitely a decent, you know, Marvel quality movie. But it definitely was on the weaker side, just because it didn't really do anything definitive with the story. Uh, the characters didn't really change a whole lot, um, and I think similarly, um, if they're sort of treating this as like there's some actual definitive important events that happen that sort of change these characters, then yeah, I'm definitely all for that. I think the big issue here is the licensing rights, and people forget that there was a couple of days where Sony and Marvel were not working together. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, Spider-Man film rights are still owned by Sony. This is the one main Marvel character that they do not have direct rights for. And what happened was after the Andrew Garfield, uh, the second film, didn't meet expectations, Sony apparently went into discussion with Marvel uh, as to how can you can you help us make these Spider-Man films, and that essentially led to, okay, we're going to help you do it. So that's how you get Kevin Feige on board producing it. That's how you ended up seeing Tony Stark and Iron Man in the first film. Uh, but in as a result, Spider-Man was allowed to be used in their films, like two of the Avengers movies, like Captain America: Civil War, and. There was a falling out, and that was it. Sony was going to be making their own films with no involvement of Marvel or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They reconciled that for a couple of pictures. Well, you know, supposedly there's, as some people have said to me, there's still one other on the deal, but it, it's a non-Spider-Man thing, as they're saying. So some are saying this is basically, well, Spider-Man could appear in something like Doctor Strange or Guardians of the Galaxy, that's it. And so I've heard some people say that this is just hedging their bets in case a new deal is not made. Uh, this is giving the franchise a pause so they can decide what they want to do with it. I've heard one theory saying that he may end up in some multiverse type situation that gives them the freedom to say, well, this is why Peter's not in the picture, and possibly even recast the role, go on to Miles Morales or something like that, and still have the freedom to say, well, Tom's out there in the netherworld, and who knows? I mean, this is all business and money, and I think, like you said, if the film is the hit that we expect it to, you can expect it to continue, because I would like to think both parties are going to say, look what, how well we've done together, it's silly for us not to be working together, and they move from there, but we also know sometimes things don't work out that way. Um, you know, we still have a pandemic box office, what if Spider-Man comes in under expectations, and, uh, you know, there you have it. Uh, Venom opened very strong, which is a very encouraging sign, uh, so we'll see. Now, another thing I wanted to make sure to discuss with you, Justin, is the comments, uh, or are the comments by Ridley Scott, that he basically, for lack of a better words, didn't have a lot of good things to say about the plans to do an Alien TV series, essentially saying uh, there's no way it's going to be as good as the first film, which a lot of people say, well, that's kind of a, a given. I mean, you, you know, to expect a TV series to be as good as an enduring cinematic classic, but it seems that he was very negative about it, and, you know, there are people like myself that say, 
if you want to believe the rumors that he got Blomkamp's movie stopped all because he didn't like Chappie, you know, there's a part of me that says, is this just sour grapes because the Covenant sequel doesn't appear to be moving forward under the new ownership, and this series does. So what is your take on this? Yeah, it's interesting. So one thing that sort of confused me about it uh, when I was reading about the comments is apparently he is somewhat involved with this show. Um, I didn't know that until reading about his his negative comments about it, which is sort of, you know, that's that's not common. Um, usually if somebody's working on a project, they sing its praises, even if the project isn't great, um, because it's in their best interest to, for it to succeed as much as possible. Um, but, you know, I think he is sort of at an age and uh, prestige that, you know, he can sort of afford to just be honest. And, um, you know, what he said, yeah, it, it probably could have been put better. But what he said is, like, like you said, I think it's just, it's probably true. You know, there's not none of, in my opinion, there's a lot of people that, in fact, most people uh, would say Aliens is, uh, is a better film than Alien. Um, I... I love Aliens. I think it's it's fantastic, uh, but uh, I prefer Alien just a little bit more. Um, I, I do think that it is a uh, is a masterpiece, and you know I I think that's fairly obvious that the that the show um, will probably not be as good as the original movie. Um, that being said, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad. I mean, I have my concerns uh, over uh, some things that have been said about their their approach to it, but. You know, I I also think it would probably be a disservice if he uh, went out and and laid out unrealistic expectations. If he said the opposite, if he said, "Hey, it, this is really shaping up to be uh, as good or better than the original movie," um, you know, that would also probably be a disservice because it would uh, sort of you know garner in people an unrealistic expectation of what what kind of quality show we're gonna get. That being said, it, it probably just would have been better if he just avoided the topic entirely. Um, you know, it's it's sort of like a uh, an unrelated point. Like it's it's quality compared to the original movie uh, is is not exactly super super important. Um, just because you know none of them have really, in my opinion, not, none of them have really risen up to uh, to the quality of the original. Um, but supposedly he is, you know, he was asked about the the sequels, and supposedly he is still kind of still working on trying to get those movies made, or at least a movie made to sort of cap out the the Prometheus series. So apparently that is not officially dead, but uh, my guess is that it's still in the. Well, obviously it's it has not entered any sort of pre production, has not been greenlit. My guess is that those discussions are still going on uh, between him and Disney. Um, you know, maybe there is a bit of sour blood there, because you know, I guess he has had issues with Disney in the past. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if there is a little bit of that kind of uh, informing, you know, the way he talks about these things. Um, you know, I I definitely I don't think it's it's one of those. Uh, people try to sort of paint Ridley Scott as sort of this uh, kind of vain figure that uh, wants to just end alien projects that aren't, you know, his 
uh, with without like alien projects that don't have his blessing. I don't. I definitely don't think that's the case. Um, but you know, at the same time, I think that like you said, there there could be a little bit of in, of uh, of that uh, prior relationship with Disney uh, that sort of you know uh, informs a little bit of how he talks about this stuff. And I think the trick, too, is I'm sure that if you dug into the contracts, you'd see that there's probably some kind of language that allows him to be involved in future projects. Uh, I'm sure this is what happened after. I mean, because, I mean, let's look at it. You don't have to be a genius to see what happened. He did the first film, and then he was away from it forever until Prometheus came. And outside of Alien, I think we can agree that, uh, you know, Alien 3 has its points, but I think we could agree that Alien 3 and definitely Alien Resurrection and the two Alien vs. Predator films don't live up to the quality of the first two films. And in terms of either quality or from fan satisfaction, and yet the franchise endured. And when he came back with Prometheus, I think there was a lot of curiosity. People went to it. It was a big hit. And then when we saw Covenant, while it definitely entertained, it did not do the kind of business that they had hoped it would. And there was a lot of reason for that, specifically, I think, it's still that put it, they put it out too soon. It should have come out a few weeks later. The R rating, either way. Um, you know, I don't want to tip my hand too much. I'm doing a panel at Comic-Con Special Edition over Thanksgiving weekend, and that is what we're going to be discussing is the enduring appeal of the um, Alien franchise. But, you know, the games have been hit and miss. The comics, hit and miss for some people. Uh, but the fascination is still there. Anytime a new alien project is announced, it gets people's attention. The creature is iconic. The universe is iconic. And it, to me, it's, it's fascinating that you could have these misfires along the way, but people still have interest whenever a new project and I think a big part of that is the first two films. It is Alien and Aliens, where people look at them. Those are the gold standards. Those are the ones that are in the archives for historical preservation. Those are the ones that people look at it and say, this is what the franchise is supposed to be. Now, you could take the other stuff and say, oh, they were good to decent to poor. But when you compare them to the original two, that's the, that's the problem. And I think you constantly have this situation where people are looking for the experience of recapturing the original two and you're right i think it's a case of that ridley probably has something in his contract that when he came back to do the prequels and covenant that he has the ability to have his hand somewhere in other projects along the way and i think it's very similar to what some of the producers had on star trek that whenever a new star trek show came along they got to have their hand in it to the point where fans started to really have an issue with it and they when enterprise ended they had to basically say we're going to put the whole thing on hold for a while to allow the the contracts to lapse then we can move forward without these people um, say what you will and it does seem very interesting but people have to also realize things are very different now when he made that movie they you know had all kinds of technological and budget limitations. Those are not going to be the issue now. They can do CGI stuff that they had never 
even conceived of back in the original two films. So it'll be interesting. And I, I did want to have, end that segment on there is a show on Netflix. It's quite good. It's called The Movies That Made Us, and they just dropped a brand new season. And it is a deep look into how these films got made, and it talks about the problems they encountered, so on and so forth. And Justin, this new season was phenomenal. Get, get this lineup. Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, RoboCop, and Aliens. Wow. And that, that, and I, I mean, I learned stuff. I, you know, I'd heard stories about the, the British crew didn't get along with Cameron and stuff like that, but they tell stuff even more than anything we've heard, and it's fascinating. So it, it, it's a really interesting uh, segment. So I'm curious to see how that, uh, you know, how the series goes and what comes of it. I look at it like this. I, I personally think if, if we're everything's going well and when we get to WonderCon or San Diego Comic-Con next year, I certainly hope that we have a panel touting this and what we see is something we're going to be happy about. Another show that was heavily touted at Comic-Con a couple of years ago before it launched and has been a kind of victim of the pandemic is Amazon's Jack Ryan with John Krasinski. Now, we're all patiently waiting for season three, which has been um, filmed uh, quite a while ago it finished it, but they've yet to set a premiere date. Well, uh, Amazon broke a little bit of silence, while, and while we don't have a premiere date, they've said we are going ahead with a season four, so that's something that's definitely going to be very interesting to see. And uh, just the other day, we had a trailer drop for the new fifth Scream movie, and got a lot of interesting response online, and what was really um, interesting about it is the... Um, people behind it said hey we put a lot of red herrings and misleads in there don't think you understand how the film is going and one of the things I heard was that even the cast did not know who was under the mask and who the killer slash killers were for most of the filming so what do you make of that news Justin? Um, it's very in line with the, with the franchise as I understand it so um, I'm not really uh, I can't really consider myself a fan. I've, I think I've seen maybe one of the movies a really long time ago, so my memory of it is... Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, it's it's such a big franchise that it sort of bleeds into the culture, uh, regardless of whether you've seen it or not. Um, so, obviously, I, I am a, well aware of it. I just um, I don't have nearly as much of a connection as, as some people, but it does look like it's a, um, an approach that's sort of similar to um, you know, how they approach the new Halloween, sort of like bringing back the old actors and kind of doing a, a celebratory movie of um, that kind of goes back to the roots, I guess. Um, so it's interesting, and, and it's a very interesting approach that they're, that they're taking with it that sort of like sort of adds to the mystery and the intrigue, uh, even with the, the cast. I think that's actually a pretty cool idea, um, sort of keeping the cast in the dark. That way, um, you know, it allows people to feel like oh you know there's a there's a mystery here that needs to, that uh, and the clues are there to be solved so i think that's pretty cool and uh it looks pretty good yeah i think the good thing about it too is that you have um what would you call it have a bit of credibility to it because it also helps keep leaks from uh popping up online and you get a genuine sense of um mystery as you said 
and then there there truly is going to be some uh, surprise twists and turns. Now, speaking of surprise twists and turns, the second season of uh, Star Trek Lower Decks just ended, and I have to say honestly, I found this season to be vastly superior to season one. I was not a fan of season one. I did not like the, I know it was designed for that audience, but as I called it, I did not like the Rick and Morty style of, you know, fast talking, slang dropping, uh, disrespect to authority, um, you know, just really rapid movements all the time characters that I watched it and said, this is not Star Trek. Nobody would be allowed to, to you know, tell their parent or their superior officer quit being such a bitch and such. And while you still had elements of that in the second season, they had much more character growth. They had much more interesting stories. They had some phenomenal, I thought, um, Easter eggs and callbacks and stuff like that. Really nice mix of humor and, and some action. And then they ended the, sh the show this year on a cliffhanger that really was unexpected. And, uh, you know, combine that with Star Trek Prodigy coming, they mentioned that Robert Beltran will be coming back as Chakotay at New York Comic Con. They uh, set a November premiere date for Star Trek Discovery. And then, oh yeah, Anson Mount has come out and announced what everyone was really looking forward to. His Captain Pike series, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, has wrapped shooting, and hopefully we'll get to see that in Picard in early uh, 2022 and uh, hopefully not too far after that we're going to get season three on the Oracle so just to wrap it up what do you make of all this no it's uh, definitely good news and a lot of stuff to uh, to look forward to for uh, for fans of those for the Star Trek franchise I definitely think so and then you know if you want to really dig deep you have uh, Marvel has started filming Secret Wars you've got the Mandalorian season three filming we've got the Book of Boba Fett coming very soon so we're going to get flooded with lots of marvel and lots of um star wars stuff and i'll leave you with this final point folks and justin uh let, let's get your topic on this so i've talked to a lot of people and they've kind of given me the oh you know i don't really know the eternals i'm not really overly excited about this one like i've been for other uh marvel films well, news has come out that the pre-sales for the Eternals is comfortably beating the pre-sales for Shang-Chi and Black Widow. And while I know some of that had to do with the fact that the pandemic uh, is definitely affecting it, that people likely made up their mind to go and see it, you know, spur of the moment or um, after hearing some good word of mouth, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I... I I think part of it is that it's very it's a very new um, franchise, and it, that can be a little bit risky just because I mean obviously it's not a new franchise, but a new franchise within um, within an existing franchise. So um, kind of like with Guardians, uh, relatively unknown property uh, before the movie came out, and it was kind of risky. Uh, obviously, going into it, enormously risky. If you really put the the pitch on paper. Um, you would have had been insane to greenlight it, um, but uh, but obviously they pulled it off and it was hugely successful and it's become now one of the most successful um, aspects of the MCU. Um, 
you know, this is similar just because not many people know about these characters. I don't really even know about these characters. I only know a tiny bit. So people wouldn't. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's an interesting opportunity because uh, it's a little risky for that reason. You know, it's not going to just draw people. Uh, what's going to draw people to the seats is that it's part of the MCU. And, it, and maybe, uh, you know, actors involved or, you know, watching the trailer and, and if the trailer looks good. But uh, it's not going to have that sort of name recognition of like, oh, you know, obviously I know who Spider-Man is or I know who the Hulk is. I'm going to go to go see the new movie. Um, this is sort of like a new thing. So that can be, uh, like I said, that could be a, a bit of a risk, but it can really pay off if it if it uh, turns out good and has a good word of mouth. Um, I, I certainly think part of it too is just I think people are just becoming more comfortable over time, um, you know, going to the theaters. Uh, that's just that's just the way it is. I think that's things as as we sort of progress um, forward. I think people are going to become more and more comfortable doing so. So I think that will have a natural effect of. Uh, you know, pushing numbers up. And let's not forget the news that dropped this week. Will Poulter will be playing Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So that is going to be really, really interesting. There's a very cute meme out, and um, I don't know if you remember the comedy Were the Millers, which um, there was some talk about a sequel happening to that, but um, people forget that Katherine Hahn was in that as well. And there's this really cute bit where right after he was announced as Adam Warlock, there's this bit where he's standing there and Catherine Hahn's character is there and he goes, Agatha? And she goes, Adam? And so that, that was kind of funny to see that, you know, at the time. It, it just shows how Marvel has had a history of, of casting not the first, you know, not the first people you would think of for the roles, but they pretty much always seem to hit it right out of the park and be the, uh, you know, be very successful with them. Finally, did want to mention everybody, Fandome this weekend, DC, we're gonna get looks at uh, the Shazam sequel, we're gonna get looks at the Aquaman sequel, we are going to get looks at Black Adam, and Justin, for the life of me, I'm trying to remember what's the fourth movie that I am not thinking of. I know we're getting the Gotham Knights game. I know we're going to get to see the Suicide Squad game. We'll get stuff from the animated side of things. Um, the Batman? What it, oh, at the Flash. Flash oh. and Batman. There we go. Dump, dump, dump. All right. So, covered a lot of stuff this time. And, folks, we'll be back next week. Until then, take care. <laughs>